citizens of the verse. Today is May 25th, 2951, and welcome to another episode of ReadCast. We're a weekly Star Citizen podcast sponsored by the Read Organization. I'm your host, Way Too Geeky, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Dependable Seagull. Oh my god, Seagull. Seagard Olfson. I combined your name. Seagardson. And playing the part of Chekhov tonight is Tavo, because Chekhov's decided to sleep in. Uh, just kidding. He It's his wife's birthday. He couldn't make it tonight. Happy birthday, uh, Mrs. Chekhov. Welcome back, Chekhov. Tavo. Happy birthday, Mrs. Chekhov. Welcome back, Tavo. Thank you, and happy birthday, Mrs. Chekhov. <laughs> Indeed. Hopefully they're enjoying the night. Um, but uh, we have a lot to talk about, so we could not waste we could not waste time um, trying to figure out when we would record again. But uh, yeah, uh, we are in the midst of Fleet Week. So, you know, lots of Invictus events going on. Um, what do you guys think? Have you guys been uh, attending the events? What do you think the Fleet Week so far? Um, Tava, what have you been up to during Fleet Week? I've been trying to do absolutely everything. Um <laughs> little note for everybody, if you go to check out the Bengal, I can say two things. Oh, my God, it's huge, and it moves quicker than you think. Don't get hit by it. Um, I got hit by it and uh, due to pilot error, and um, it took me out. I believe it was missiles, but I'm not positive, but it, it fragged me real quick for running into it. So uh, <laughs> you got to watch out for that. I'm sure. It sounds like a, a real doozy. I mean, I I saw it. It was moving a little slower and rubber banding. But still, yeah, it, it's definitely not as slow as it looks. Um, Seagard, what have you been up to during this momentous fleet week? You know, I've been doing a little bit less. Um, I've been enjoying the patch somewhat. I, it's a great patch. I just haven't been able to really... Um, Muster up the drive to do anything massively great. Uh, but I did have some fun playing with the guys this week and got some mold time in the other day with a full crew. That was a blast. And, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, we did, uh, did that, and we did um, – uh, we went and obviously I looked at – I went and looked at the, uh, the vehicles in the showcase, which, you know, to me is a very similar to last year, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, it's always kind of inspiring to see them. They, they are huge when you can just walk up next to them and see other people next to them. They're big, yeah. big ships. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying a lot. I mean, I, I do think it's it's very well done. You know, last year I really enjoyed, but this year seems, you know, top of the top notch, right? So Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in some respects it feels like more of the same. Not to sound negative. And then in other respects, like today, for instance, I mean, it's Crusader Day. And they also have the Tumbrel uh, Nova. Um, so both new vehicles and ships with Alpha 313.1. Um, you know, something new to experience, especially for people who didn't don't own them, like myself. And I just rented them, even though I, I heard subscribers get them for free anyway i'm about to go blow stuff up with the tank um but you know pretty pretty cool stuff i i have to say 
I like the set dressing and the look and feel at at uh, what's it Tobin uh, versus uh, Area 18. I think it looks really cool. And I think they did a good job making it look different than IAE. Right. Uh, with the set dressing and everything. But I've been doing a little bit of everything. Bengal looks huge. The Javelin Tour is cool, even though it's not a huge portion of the ship. Um, pretty exciting. Yeah. It, um, it is amazing. Oh, uh, it, it is amazing. The, um, you know, as much as I say I didn't play this, you know, this week and that it's a top notch thing, it is. I mean, everything, everything has been done right this one, I think. You know, they released the patch early, you know, uh, earlier than I expected, right? And then they transitioned mm. right in on time, 12 o'clock, you know, our time, Eastern time. Boom. There was everything being put up for sale. And, um, you know, I, I think they've definitely kind of said we're going to do it right. And uh, we had a tough time last year, but not this year. I'm yeah. very impressed. So yeah, they did a they, much better job compared to last year. Yeah, last year they—I mean, it was tough technically. I think for them, there's you know other things going on, obviously. But <clears throat> yeah, this yeah. Is, uh, last year is probably a, a harder to do than this year, uh, but it just shows you the maturity they've gained as a, as a as the system has gained since last year. Yeah, it's just so. It's I mean, good. I'll be honest. This patch isn't the most, you know, smooth for me, but, you know, I'm sure it'll get better once once Invictus is over, because I'll be honest, all these new assets in the game, I think that's what's causing me some issues. Yeah. It's been it's been relatively smooth for me. I can't. Oh, uh, good. Yeah, it has. That's great. Um Anything else in the verse that you guys have been up to outside of Invictus? Uh, Tavo, any any other activities you've been doing? I almost said I mean, handling. That sounded weird. I've been doing the um, market updates and following that pretty closely. I put in org chat a little spreadsheet that I was trying to make on that, on showing the different uh, numbers and, and working that out. Mm-hmm. Um just before we started tonight, we were talking in corp chat about that. Been following that for a long time, ever since. Uh, for those of you that uh, can remember, looking back at the freelancer commercial, uh, the commodity updates come right there in the middle of that commercial. And this is a good time if you haven't seen it to to get an idea of how it's going to work in the verse. And uh, it's been pretty cool. I've been going around and picking up some things, and then just sitting on them. Go do another ship. Go mine or something. Then wait for a new alert to pop up and uh, woohoo, you know, make a really good uh, selling on it. So if that's a good picture of things that are come, I'm I'm really digging it. Cool. Um, Seagard, you said you were you were mining. What you were mining in a mole? What? Uh, well, where were you mining? I was. Uh, I've done. Uh, we were mining on um, sell. Uh, uh, what is it? It's out near Microtech. Um, um, Calliope. Um, uh, it's one of the moods. It's the farthest from Cleo. Cleo, Cleo. Is what it's Cleo. Uh, so we and were I out there, and, the other one. <laughs> and that went it went really, really well. And we, you know, we were first of all, it's always fun to have four of you in a mole, right? And and, and that was mm. just too much fun. And 
Um, and it ha- the mining has, you know, has really matured. I mean, you're getting now to the point where when you break the second time, you're starting to see, you know, 100% or, you know, so little inert material that the the boosters or the upgrades can, um, the passive upgrades in particular, can filter that stuff out, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, we're actually getting to the point where like 100% gold, nah, we're not going to pick that up. Yeah, okay. It's eighty pounds, uh, so we're not going to lead. We're not going to pick it up. But uh, you know, it's it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. We didn't, you know, we weren't exploding things. And um, Nick brought in his um, kind of tooled up prospector, which could really open up the green, um, you know, area on the dial to give us nice clean breaks. So if we had mm-hmm. a real tough one, he would be helping with the prospector while two of us were breaking it. And then uh, the other guy would be breaking one on his own. So we were filling things pretty fast. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't think a prospector on its own. I'm not sure that two or three could have kept up. Uh, I think the mole is going to come into its own here very quickly. So, I also did. Awesome. I did do some mining with the prospector down in the the Aaron or the Aaron's Halo down near uh, Crusader and all that. Mm-hmm. Did very did great. Had no issues. Um, again, easy to break even with a lot of passive mods. I was breaking stuff in the sixty five hundred you know kilogram range pretty easily and steadily. And uh, pulling back hundred, you know, hundred percent loads of nothing, nothing great. I mean, you know, but it was hundred percent loads, which is, you know, always going to make you some money. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something, you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, I personally, oh goodness, I am trying to drive a tank on ice, and it doesn't like it. Uh, well, I can tell you, in real life, they don't like it either. Oh well, they have rubber tracks. It's like a giant hockey puck. That and I see just wheels of a Ursa in front of me. That's usually what happens just before you run over a Humvee with a tank on ice. <laughs> you just see how wheels. If you come to a full stop and fire the main cannon, does it skid backwards? No, 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 no. Not at all. It, uh, it will, it'll rock a tank if the tank is stopped in real life. It'll rock it up pretty high, but uh, it's it's very it's very powerful gun. It's lethal. Just the blast of the gun is lethal to like you know hundred yards or something. I think it's yeah, fifty. I was cruising around on the ice. I was curious. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm not. Very I'm good. not out of armistice yet, so I, I will test it once I am. Um, beyond the the actual festivities i actually have been cargo hauling and they do have special commodities just for the festivities and it feels sort of almost like trying to say here's what we need in these locations come bring them which i thought was kind of cool and a, a lot more immersive even though it's not quite you know driven by anything except for quote unquote demand yeah um but then the demand keeps changing for things too which is cool um, and we get little announcements in our journal. Um, I like that. I, I haven't done that, surprisingly, as a logistics. Oh, guy. yeah. It's great. But, you, uh, can make, I, do you want to do it? I mean, I don't know about you, Tavo, but I did a run from uh, Area 18 to um, 
Microtech, and MyCarrick, full Carrick, and it was over a hundred K in one run. And it was um That's good. Uh, souvenirs. That's good. Yeah, I've been doing so, very good with fireworks. Yeah. Like there's some really good solid commodity training going on right now. Now, Tavo, have you have you done anything with the sort of standard commodities or have those not really been impacted? I haven't tried anything with the standard. I was only trying the new system out. Okay. I, w- I wasn't sure if the, that had a difference or anything. Um, I'll yeah, try so, tomorrow. Yeah, definitely Possibly check it out. Six gate for us. So. Oh, there you go. It's, it's pretty fun. Um, so then last week we also kicking off sort of, before Fleet Week started on Friday, we had an ISC that gave us our first look at the Scorpius, the RSI Scorpius, yeah. which is essentially, it's a, is it a heavy or medium fighter? It's a heavy fighter, it's right? It's a heavy, right. And it's a Star Citizen's answer to the X-Wing, essentially. Um, so it was pretty cool. We got we got a look at that. Um, it has two, um, it has a pilot and a co-pilot. The co-pilot can control this interesting turret that doesn't just stay on the top, but it actually follows the spine and actually can rotate around to the bottom a little bit and cover the back as well. Um, and it's remote. So, you know, it looks pretty cool. Um, and then we also got a sprint report where they showed off, uh, another look at hospitals. We got improved Canyon tech, which looked really cool. Uh, we saw some of the plant assets being used for colonial outposts. We got another look at um, sort of an example homestead that was much more further fleshed out in terms of the layout. And last but not least, a beautiful look at Orison during nighttime, which didn't even include their lighting pass. What did you think, Tavo? Did you get a chance to look at that episode? Absolutely. Um, When Microtech came out, I thought that was so much more polished than all of the other previous landing zones. And each time they just amaze me. I can't wait to see Orson. Um, you know, you could get such incredible screenshots out of that for trying to sell people on the game. Like you look at now, right? <laughs> but it is just absolutely drop, drop dead gorgeous on, on how it's going to be. And I like the one shot they showed of just how big of a zone it was going to be. Um, it's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, it's it's kind of you know what I think. Um, I think the drama, if you really think about it, it seems like it's sort of like a smaller space, but more space that I think we can traverse. Agreed. What about you, uh, Seagard? What did you think of the episode? Oh, I loved it. I mean, my only real complaint about anything I saw was that. Uh... You know, when they're designing these rooms, I don't know what type of houses they're living in, but, man, I've never seen a room that was 50 by 50 for a bedroom. <laughs> yeah. That's called a basketball court for me. <laughs> if I'm going to reproduce this in my house by building it all myself, you're going to have to use smaller rooms. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't have big rooms as that big. That big. They are pretty big bedrooms. I mean, I have a pretty big bedroom. Um, like consider, especially since you're like, wait a second, Kiki, I thought you live in Brooklyn, but my bedroom is, is pretty big. 
Um, it's like the size of a living room. That's and good. Uh, yeah, because I, I was going to originally use it as a living room, and then I decided to get a roommate instead because you know, yeah, why? Uh, I just couldn't justify paying so much for rent, really. Uh, yeah. um, but um, I, I I love their stuff. I mean, I'm uh, to be honest with you, I really am interested in seeing uh, you know these these locations with AI yeah. standing around, you know, literally walking and seeing the dust come off their boots and, you know, going back to their homes and seeing yeah. some, you know, other than, you know, having them standing behind a counter at a, a stop or, you know, down in the city standing while well, standing near the chair or sitting in the chair. Um, yeah. Well, especially because this is the first experience where they actually have homes yeah. versus everything else is either military or space station. And we see landing zones, but they're all commercial areas. So there's no actual homes that we see. We assume that, quote, unquote, the NPCs are going to are going to um, I don't know why I did, quote, unquote, that's not really a quote, unquote, scenario. But we assume that the NPCs are going to live you know, next to us in the Habs and stuff. Um, but we don't know. And I, I'm sure they'll do that just for some realism. You know, occasionally you'll walk out and an NPC walks out at the same time. Um, yeah, it was a good episode. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. it. Orison is, I mean, for all intents and purposes, right around the corner. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Yeah especially because we can talk a little bit more about 314, but, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's a doozy now or not so much a doozy, I should say. Um, so at least there's that, that cornerstone feature. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Star Citizen Live was a Q&A all about military ships. So John Crew was there and Ben, I forgot his last name, was there um, talking about um, – military ships and answering questions. Um, a few things that came from that episode, certainly um, if you want to learn, hear everything, it, this is hardly the place, but a snapshot. Um, they talked about the difference between military and civilian ships it can be a little bit challenging because sometimes there's a gray area. Um, you know, like a Carrick is a great example where it's an ex exploration ship, but at the same yeah. time, it's a military designed exploration ship and was used by the military, but now it's used by civilians. Um, they did talk about sort of um, the need to have counters for ships. So, for example, the Nautilus lays mines. Um, they might want to create, you know an Argo, they didn't say this specifically, but they might want to create like an Argo sweeper or something to, to get rid of mines. We do know that the Nautilus actually also scans in and helps remove mines. But um, in addition to that, they might have different levels of that. And they also talked about different potential levels of mine layers. Um, they also suggested uh, the fact that the Scorpius would be able to use an AI blade for that remote turret. Um, but it would end up slaving it to the um, to the pilot and keeping it forward facing. So you wouldn't have that functionality that makes it so unique where it gets that backside coverage. Um, the Starliner still has its variants coming out someday. The jump antenna for the Carrick will be done in time for jump points. 
uh, the tour section of the Javelin is a pretty good representation of the ship, but some of the rooms that we weren't able to look at um, are simply because they're not done um, because they don't need them for Squadron 42. The M2 will still need to get some sort of kitchen because they sort of, it looks like they kind of overlooked it. Um, they did talk a little bit more about physicalized armor and the impact that'll have on the meta of the game. Um, the Nova tank will indeed fire further than the current limitation, which is a little short. They will be doing a balance pass on medium fighters. Um, time to kill is going to be slower than instantaneous. So it's not going to be point click, shoot, bang. Um, and that's sort of it for that episode. Um, well, not it, but sort of the things I gleaned from it. Uh, what did you think, Tavo? Did you get a chance to, to watch? Yes, I did. And I'm very curious um, with the Carrick on how the antennas are going to work. Now, I've, I've seen videos, and I does the Constellation Phoenix have a similar antenna system? Because it looks like it does when it's sitting still. That's for the um, that's for the actual um, countermeasures, I believe. Okay. Those side antenna. Yeah. Yeah, I, they're either the countermeasures or the or smaller missiles. I can't recall which. All right, because it looks similar to the way the original concept for the Carrick was, and the whole reason why I got the Carrick was to do with what was going to be coming out in three fourteen with the new scanning system, because. Mm the Carrick was pitched to be such the exploration vessel with, you know, they had the mini game where you could see how far you could get with it to get the cartographer mm -hmm. um, badge for that. And I like the idea of going through, especially when they talk about the jump points in the lore, when lore makers was doing, you know, a, a good episode every other week there for a couple of years. Um, you know, they talk about the systems and how the jump points were found. That's what sold me on the Carrick. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be that guy. You know, I want to be able to yeah. have a ship that does everything and go out there. And I don't care if it's an eight-hour session where my eyes are starting to bleed from trying to scan to find jump points. I'm going to do that. So <laughs> I'm all I'm all in for the animations and all the stuff because I'm going to be spending a lot of time in the Carrick. Yeah. Well, you and me both, Tava. <laughs> yeah, I got rid um, of mine. Oh, it's okay. You can always fly in mine. If, or you could pilot mine if you want. If you need a pilot, I'm always in. I mean, for large-scale expeditions, we do need... We probably have, like, an officer ship, right? <laughs> well, it's got to be a command ship. Yeah, that's exactly... That's how I've been laying it out in my head. And writing um, it down. Um, what about you, Seaguard? What did you think of the episode? I, I like the episode. Um, you know, there some so many of the ships are already known and everything else. Mm. Um, I certainly like the idea of the RSI heavy fighter. I think that's great. Um, I, we have a lot of heavy fighters now. It's getting to be well. We we kind of do right. There's a lot of the F eight Lightning is going to come eventually. But uh, I guess I guess we really don't. Now that I think about it, because the warden we have a lot of medium fighters. Yeah, the warden is not, and we have light fighters. We don't really have a heavy one, so I guess uh, hurricane maybe that's not even a heavy fighter. That's medium, isn't it? Yeah, 
I mean, I'm actually surprised the Scorpius is a heavy fighter because it's, I mean, isn't the Vanguard considered a heavy fighter? Yeah. Well, Vanguard's a long-range fighter. Or no, the Vanguard is a long-range fighter. The Warden. Oh, okay. That's their trade is long long distance with a decent payload. Um, Good. So I guess... I guess it's okay to have that. For me, it was kind of a toss-up because I have two lightnings. I've spent so much freaking money. I got them for free. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not really. But yeah, but uh, I, I, I like the design of that. I really like, um, you know, they did a little bit about talking about the differences between a military ship and, you know, the interiors, right? <clears throat> and I do like, you know, they call that out. It never really dawned on me, but they're right. You know, the military ships tend to have, you know, crew quarters that are more like on a ship and you see in the Navy now. And, um, yeah, there was a definitely a different feel. And I, I do like that. Um, even the Drake is very militaresque in its design, but I think it's intended to be, even though it's not listed as a military ship. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I think how they did it was great. I think what I'm what I'm lacking and not clearly seeing is how the ships are supposed to work together to be a fleet. Right? Fleets yeah. are very ships have very specific roles, right? You know, and yeah. um, I think that piece is missing. Um, well, probably because we're missing how the command and control functionality is going to work, right? And right. At, right now, the even the way we communicate between one another is probably a little too, even though the the VoIP and VoIP are janky. The way they do it is probably too, um, like being able to make a comm call to someone far across the system. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that'll be okay in the future. I could picture, though, when you're not in the same system, you're going to have to route that, and it's going to have to. I, I hope they do it like a, um, like an expanse where it needs to take time to get to the person, and you're waiting x amount of time, and it gives you an estimate and things like that. That's I guess true. we'll wait and see. Yeah, I almost wish you could send a messenger ship. You know, it's a question: Is it faster to send a messenger ship? Um, or less expensive, you know, <laughs> over yeah. some distances, and uh, have some of those ships. Uh, but I like a Herald. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something fast, right? Or a Terrapin. Yeah, because right now I, you know, I look at um, like I see the the Hammerhead, and I see, you know, a lot of people can take out the Hammerhead very quickly with you know, just a couple fighters. Yet it's mainly an anti fighter defense ship right so mm. doesn't seem quite right um which is you know it's just kind of a weird thing um i would well, I just do think fairness little, physicalized armor is not in the game this is true uh this is true um and, and what even makes it worse is that the fighters we have now are not military fighters they're civilian versions of military fighters yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so that means you know you know, Super Hornet should be able to take out a hammerhead pretty easily. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, so that there's some, there's a little bit of, um, the ships themselves are beautiful and the pattern they follow 
as individual, you know, as a line of ships or a company of ships is right on the design philosophy, you know, carries through. It's great. Um, the atmosphere is good, but I just don't see, I don't feel that they're, the ships are properly arranged in relationship to the universe, right? Yeah. We, we never see auroras, right? The Aurora LN, um, which I would think something like the Aurora or the Tana should be the bulk of the fighters out there for civilians, right? I mean, a Hornet and a Sabre should be really kind of top-end stuff, high, high-grade, mm-hmm. uh, paying massive amounts of money for that stuff, and it's hard to replace. You know, the, the production lines can't keep up. Whereas things like the Aurora and the Tana, I think, would be, you know, a dime a dozen. You know, there's hundreds of them out there, especially on the frontiers, right? Um, yeah, and uh, I'd like I would like to see, you know, I kind of miss seeing fifty auroras flying around um, with one big caterpillar flying through the middle of them, or one big hammerhead kind of swarming around. Um, I guess we'll start to see some of that someday. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're um, still in people are buying everything mode. Yeah. Um, and right now, like, um, you know, the scenarios we have for the military ships, this kind of goes to, you know, their role and uh, how they talked about them is that, you know, these are the heavy hitters that, you know, the the cat, the um, hammerhead. And I, you know, I have, the, I have the Apollo, I have the Perseus, I have the hammerhead, you know, all of these. Um, they show up in an area that should be like a, a major threat to anyone just by themselves. And if you yeah. get a, if you get a frigate in there, like the Idris, <clears throat> that should really be like, what row someone, something's going on to see yeah. three or four hammerheads. That, that's like a fleet action. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think, I think when they fine tune things and have all of the, all of the physicalized damage in place, I think that's what we'll see. Good. I think I think hammerhead a hammerhead will be formidable. Yeah. Even against large ships, I just think, you know, the biggest thing it'll be most nervous about is bombers and or you know tw- torp ships. Yeah. And even then, they have cannons that could take out the torpedoes. Right. So as long as the way you know, as long as tracking torpedoes. Um, hits fast enough and you have a good enough notification, you could take something out and I think then it'll be pretty well defended. Yeah. I think the, I think the military ships are, you know, the sexier ships, no doubt about it. Um, I, you know, Hammerhead is gorgeous. I still love that ship. Um, it is a great ship. It's just a really cool ship. They did such a good job with it. They did. Um, and, you know, I'm surprised they, you know, they, given the the background of like the Carrick. Um, I'm wondering why we haven't seen a green skin or some things like that for it. Yeah. Because there's the interior, right, is important, but also the exterior to give you that military feel. I guess they didn't talk about that though. So, well, I get, well, also, you know, it makes sense in some respects because it's a deep space explorer right. that it's not really trying to camo on the ground because it mm-hmm. it's sort of the forward that's true um 
outpost. Like you kind of see it a little bit in that trailer that they had for the Invictus trailer, which I loved um, where they sort of show like they were talking about the ship and it being like the forward, um, you know, ship of the, of the fleet. Um, Yeah. I, I have to say I liked the episode for the most part. I think it rehashed a lot of um, stuff we already know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was good. Uh, yeah. I think what excites me the most is that reassurance that while while they think they're do- going, you know, things are going well and, and everything's moving along properly, it's never done. Or, or at least it's not done right now. Right. Oh, goodness. Um, sorry, I'm riding around in a tank and it doesn't like hills. But once you get some weather patterns, it moves around like a little crazy. Yeah, they don't do that in real life. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't. I don't think a weather I, pattern would do anything. Meanwhile, yeah, I, I have literally been, have sat in a tank during a hurricane. It does I've been nothing. driving <laughs> for I can't even tell you how long. I mean, probably, I mean, at least for, it's got to be, what, we've been recording for a half hour now. I've been driving around for 20 minutes. I'm still in the armistice, so <laughs> I just want to fire the cannons. Well, I, I got to tell um, you one army story because you brought of up course, please. tanks and weather. So I'm in Georgia. We're doing some training and the hurricanes are seasons coming through. And uh, since we're out there, the, the army just squats down if it's if the weather's really really bad i mean like really really bad it has to be like you know threat of death to people uh they have you just kind of hold up they don't they don't really stop any much mm. but uh they had us stop and circle the tanks and there's a bunch you know a couple of you know probably 50 60 tanks out there and uh they had this radio call you know after it tells us to circle in our spots they, they come in, they say, all right, we're going to bring out your supply trucks. We're going to have you, you know, get out of your vehicles and set up tents to ride the storm out. And we all have radios. And one of the tanks, don't know which one, you hear this voice come on the on the net and go, me and Mike, we're going to get out of the 70-ton armored vehicle that'll stop uh, anything short of a nuclear bomb. And we're going to get into a canvas tent to ride this out. And you're, yeah, blame the tents. We're going to cancel tents. Just write it out in your tanks, Roger. (laughs) That was (laughs) so for 24 hours. We just sat in our tanks eating MMs and sunflower seeds and MREs, getting fat. But, uh, I have a funny feeling that wasn't going to, that wasn't quite a fattening meal. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Ooh, ooh, oh, I've yeah. never seen this. Oh my god! Sorry, the tank is flying down the hill. They do that if you're not careful, I, and they do not have amazing control on um, on the ice and snow they in this don't. in the game. That's, it's that's definitely real. struggling. That's oh real. yeah, oh yeah. It's literally the bottom of the tracks are rubber, so it's like a oh, giant hockey puck. Yeah, it's oh, so we don't tear I up the they roads. Were metal. No, we have metal with oh, that makes pads, sense. so we we try not to tear up the other countries' roads. We can we you know a lot of countries have steel ones, but they tear up the roads. But uh, yeah, so we call it tanks on ice. The ice capades. Oh, that's funny. 
Well, if that's then maybe they did a good job with these. You you should go ride in one at some point. I'll get one eventually and see if it feels real to you. Yeah. Especially on Microtech. That's I mean, yeah. I still can't believe I'm like I'm a half hour. Oh, I think I no. Yeah. Nope, I just can't see the indicator anymore because of the storm. Um well, yeah. anyway, moving on. Well, yeah, so the middle, that, I thought that was a great show. Again, a little bit was a rehash, like you said. Mm. And uh, but I, I, their thought process is in the right place, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, this week with ISC, they haven't given us any indicator, so I'm sure we'll see a sprint report or maybe something interesting, or I mean, who knows? Maybe something super exciting. Um. And then they have, instead of a, um, it, it's another game dev episode this week with AI director Francisco uh, Rochini. No, nope. mm-hmm. Rochucci. And he's going to talk about how NPCs are created. So I, I, maybe they're going to create an NPC. I don't know. It's a, it's a game dev live. So that's usually what they are. Guess we'll see. It's probably better than you know concept art, but yeah, we shall see. Um, but I think the most exciting news from the week, and I think most people would agree, was that we got the Tony Z video <laughs> um, where he talked about quanta and the the future of of essentially the dynamic economy. Um, I'm not going to highlight anything because I, there was so talk. much information. Yeah. That, I mean, my brain just sort of melted. But reactions to the episode or anything that stuck out? Tavo, what did you think? I actually got my wife to sit down and watch the episode with me, which was good. How familiar is she with Star Citizen? Uh, She's getting there. You know, we've only been involved with it since 2012, and I got her to where she'll sit and watch YouTube with me. So, <laughs> so she's familiar with the checkbook portion of it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> definitely on, on that. But um, it was good because I would sound, you know, go back and forth and um, theory craft with her on some of the things I heard. And um, it was a good long episode. My God, it was mind numbing on how much information came through. And then today I listened to the Nubifier version of it, which for the first time I had to giggle. The last 20 minutes of noobs was just a rehash of what Tony Z said because he couldn't break it down any shorter, which was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was over 30 minutes, Nubify, or almost 30 minutes. Yeah. Right? It which, was, I mean, for Nubifier, it was epic. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Tony Z, I think, was what, 40, 45 minutes? Yeah. yeah I'm going to listen to it again. It, yeah. Tons yeah. of good info there. I am too. Yeah. I, that was That was one of the things I was amazed about was that. He clearly was reading from a prompter, but he had taken great care. Him and I suspect several others had taken great care that he condense it down into something that was consumable. And I think they they hit it right on it. I mean, it was like thought provoking, brain cramping, skull numbing detail, and I couldn't get it, enough of it. And it was great. It was yeah. great. I, I'm, and I, without getting into too much detail, like I did on our little chat earlier, but I was amazed by the, um, the the technology of how they're doing it is cool, but I'm more amazed by the mental 
the the way they've approached it as a task, yeah. right? I mean, there is a they did some they threw some stuff at the wall, sorted it out, and realized that there's a way to do this, and they have approached it in a I think in a way that we can't even understand the details of, but it, it's very methodical and that's clear. So yeah. I, I can't say enough for those guys. That is brilliant stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and I think what's cool about what he talked about, because what's amazing is it's not like we haven't had an in-depth discussion of this before. Correct. Correct. And yet still, one, we got to see more tools that they invented that helped them uncover what the universe looks like at any given moment. Right historically and and real right. time and it's all in an effort to help reinforce mpc behavior which reinforces the economy i mean that's really i mean if you really think about it it's the engine by which M- mpcs behave because right. the economy isn't going to act without some sort of actor and that's what the whether they're virtual ai or whatever the case may be that's that's what's going to do it and one it just makes me so excited and granted right who knows how long it's going to take to implement some of that but the way tony described it while it's not coming tomorrow it definitely feels like we're going to see shades of it enter over the course of probably the next year or so yeah i think we're going to see i think we're going to see the piloting of it in limited areas like he described mm. pretty pretty quick i do think yeah not, not you know in, in a matter of one or two releases i really do. yeah i agree with you there and he did so he mentioned specific test instances mm-hmm. and where we're going to see this initially and i think this is probably the first thing we'll see is how they use it with bounty hunting because if you look at bounty hunting uh oh, my tank got stuck on its roof, and I tried to exit my seat, and instead I fell through the tank geometry. And now, oh, don't fall on me, tank! Don't fall on me! Ah, oh, and it's flipping over because of the storm. <laughs> it literally just flipped back over. Oh no, it's rolling without me! It's rolling without me! <laughs> I'm literally chasing my tank. <laughs> this is weird. Oh, it stopped. Okay. Um, but yeah, super cool stuff. I'm yeah. so excited. Uh, and, you know, uh, to me, it's just amazing that what we saw last year, or the last time he did that, yeah. was that, that was prior to, that was 2019, right? It was a year and a half, yeah. Yeah. So his model back then was literally a, a node tree, you know, I don't know if you guys know what that is, but a node tree diagram. It represented geographical mm-hmm. locations. They had some basic functions modeled, and they had it represented with the – not that it was simple. I mean, it was already complex. But now they've just layered the detail in exactly how he had talked about it, the, the mission trees, right? You have a variety of mm-hmm. different missions. They have the, the variety – they've broken it down to where they have the, the visual – triggers of when you're in range when you're not in range you know how does it how does an an action you know how does this action come from the back you know back of the server where it's not impacting gameplay and get brought forward into reality um 
and I'm just, you know, and it's basically, you know, it's it's brilliant stuff. You have the three different types of AI. I I would almost argue they're conditions, right? Mm. Um, right. Depending on what state they're, what condition they're in, they would be in one of those three states. Yeah. Uh, if your players nearby, you're in the high resolution state. If your players uh, has been nearby, but it's not, you're in somewhere in the middle. <clears throat> and then there's always the, you know, no one's around. It shall not be seen, but it's still being you know, worked on. And uh, they're just laying around the detail. So we will see exactly what he described in 2019. I think we will see that in the game. And that is just so exciting. Um, yeah, I agree. And it's just, uh, Tony Z, you just... You just melt our hearts. If you know, I would, I would, I'll simplify those two, to quit those two things I said in the meeting. Um, if I, if he's listening to this or someone in SIG is listening to this, I would have a question, two questions. One is how are they going to, given that AI are not real people and that they basically can, can receive data instantaneously, how are, how are they dealing with the idea that AI would be informed much faster than a real player of any new instance happening? Um, so that as an AI, as a real player, if I discover something, every AI in, known to, in local distance doesn't instantly know that and come running for my gold deposit or whatever I found. So that would be one. How are they going to handle that delay and let players cause a reaction as opposed to reacting to the AI's action um, in the universe. And then this, the second one was, I would be interested to see why they didn't have the quanta represent larger groups of, of classes of citizen. Um, let's say it's a quanta representing one individual. Why not have them represent, you know, a family of individuals, let's say, a neighborhood, 50 people. They all work in the same neighborhood. They all kind of have the same type of jobs. They all kind of, they, they live in the same neighborhood. They work in the same city. They would react the same way in many ways, right? Um, mm. People who are coming from another planet and immigrating in because there's housing available, they would tend to react culturally in a certain way. Um to different things. Some, some cultures would say, we got to go fight it. And some, you know, fight or flight. Some are going to run, some are going to fight. Some are going to go be ambitious. Some are going to, they're not going to be ambitious. They're going to be more about security of the family. So I would just wonder why they didn't do that. I would think the computing power might be less demanding to, to represent the same population size. So if I can sort of answer, I think both, um, in different responses. Okay, the Mr. First no one, at all. Well, no, I'm just, <laughs> just, based on, just based on what I've heard, right, and my assumptions based on what I heard. So not necessarily what gotcha. Tony Z has said, but my analysis of what he said in the past and today is if you look at – when you find gold, there's no way for anyone else to know you found it until you tell them you found it. And the quanta aren't going to know that just because you found it, right? So the, the way that the economy is going to work is there are going to be quanta 
who are trying to find phenomena based on the needs of the economy. So um, there's a shortage of steel or maybe not, aluminum that they need to produce some some sort of good. There are going to be quanta who are going to mine that, but there's also going to be quanta who, before the other quanta mine it, there's going to be quanta that go and scan for it in order to reveal its existence. And they sort of showed this a little bit with the little demos on on planets and stuff where you saw the quanta swarm a, a particular area. Um, mm-hmm. What they didn't show, and it's, it's a step or two before that, they showed a ship reveal the area, but they didn't show it reveal other areas around. And I think maybe one, they're implying that there's some sort of broader scanning mechanism, which I would assume that's probably dictating it, but also that I think they were just kind of rushing to not rushing, but trying to get to the, the meat of it, which is there's a ship showing something and then there's ships going to mine it. And then that ship goes and moves right. forward to find more right. with that gold example that they showed. Yep. So I think that's why the system, while the actual system knows all about that, I don't think the quanta are just going to jump to it just because it exists. I think they're going right. to they're going to have to quote unquote find it within some sense of normalcy. And then the second piece which was well, I, I'm trying to remember precisely what you said. Oh, families. Um well, groups, right? Groups. Yeah, groups. Um I just think that was probably because the the way that they described virtual AI on Quanta was that it was pretty low in terms of like, I, I think there'll be clusters of Quanta together as a crew and, you know, it may even be the same type of data point as um, an individual NPC is at, at least until you get into their proximity and then it spawns all of the people in the ship. Because they're going to need to spawn ships full of NPCs, whether they're pirates or you know right. haulers, etc. I think he just used it as an individual example, just to just to to make a, a an illustrative point. Right, right. That's so. Yeah, that's no, my I assumption think. at least. Yeah, as the population gets bigger, you know, it's just going to be hard. You're going to have more and more quanta to calculate. Yeah, I use it. You know, let's say well, you're using nine. To, if you're using nine to one, right? The nine to one, nine quanta for every player um, to do this. Then, if you used nine as the magic number to represent a quanta, then you would only need one quanta for every player, but it would carry nine times the authority of that player. But remember, it's in any given area too. So, like Stanton, when we have a hundred star systems. If there are a thousand players, that's only nine thousand quanta. But they said that in order to properly sim- stimulate or simulate rather an economy in Stanton, they estimate about a hundred thousand quanta are necessary in order to effectively do that. Yeah, yeah. And I would say just cut that by ten, and just have them each count as a, a group of ten individuals of a type, ten pilots. Mm-hmm. 10 family members, you know, or 10, you know, um, you know, head of households kind of thing and blue collar worker, white collar worker or whatever. 
I but, think uh, they're avoiding that only because if you look at the criminal part that they showed and you saw the 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 pirate quanta yeah or virtual ai or whatever you know he had a rap sheet and the only way to kind of keep that is if you're individual you're doing it one to one yeah yeah that's a good point too yeah um so that's probably a super, good answer super interesting video yeah i mean i'm just assuming obviously yeah you know, I I, we can't all of, talk like the architect from the Matrix, like Tony I, does. Yeah, I can't. That's for sure. Smart guy. Um. Well, in other very extensive news, we also had a roadmap update last week, and oh my goodness, um, good stuff and bad stuff. Um. So they they extended the progress tracker into Q1 of 2022. Now be mindful. This is only upstream teams um, downstream. They'll, they'll update later and they'll extend it into Q3. Um, you know, further along. Um, but the following deliverables have been added to the progress tracker identity service, uh, which is a proxy service that'll relay information about accounts between RSI spectrum and the game client, um, AI untrained combat. This is the first iteration of untrained combat, such as civilians, uh, reacting in battle scenarios, civilian AI will be able to use weapons to defend themselves in threatening situations. Uh, but we'll also, try to or and we'll try to preserve their lives using cover and surrendering when necessary um, ai planetary navigation first pass of a system that allows npcs to move on planetary surfaces using dynamically generated navigation mesh um, this will um oh it's a oh well, i have a typo this will efficient process <laughs> this will efficiently process planetary terrain and objects to prioritize the processing of the environment around the players into nav mesh, allowing us to use all existing functionalities on planets. Uh, they're going to be adding essentially space station clinics. So, you know, space station hospitals, a, a hospital for grim hacks, a unified login queue. So this is to reduce um, huge waves of logins, which could impact backend services um cockpit button animations so the gladius dashboard um, procedural animations that they've talked about um derelict spaceships point of interest so more points of interest that'll be scattered on planets there'll be derelict spaceships with some type of activity whether it's puzzle traversal or hostile ai and some type of reward for resolving said activity so it sounds like more derelict spaceships as points of interest um, updates to the mission manager. So in, alongside converting to building blocks, this feature includes an updated a, uh, UI in support of the dynamic mission system. It also includes the ability for players to see any reputational requirements. They added the whole D and the whole E. They also added gold standards for the 600i as well as the gray cat PTV. They added lava tech. Um, so, you know, further um, tuning that so that we have impressive lava features, uh, sorry, lava, rivers, and lakes. 
um, ecosystem enhancements, so enhancing the realism of plants and animals in their aspects and behaviors to better immerse them in their respective environments. Um, and then they also returned Bounty Hunter V2, Multigrid SDF for capital ship destruction, uh, as well as Weapon Misfire and Wear. They um, renamed the small home outpost to the Outpost Homestead, Independent and Outlaw, um, which also includes several additional modules as well as variants. It was previously marked unannounced. They added the RSI Scorpius uh, as well. And then on the release view, they added weapon capacitors V1, thruster capacitors V1, shield capacitors V1, planetary volumetric clouds V1, um, RSI Scorpius, which we already talked about, but it's in the release view, the whole C, the whole A, a hangar manager app that we've heard about before, um, actor feature teams, so uh, or actor teams rather. So during the review process, they've come to the conclusion that additional time is needed for the following features. So here's where the gutting begins. Um, so things that moved from 314 to 315, personal inventory, healing tier zero, FPS radar and scanning, hacking tech, NPC healing, the Cure Life medical tool, and the Grey Cat multi-tool healing attachment. Um, things that moved from 315 or 314 to 316. Um, weapon charge drain tier zero, actor feature EVA um, tier two, Salvage Tier 0, 0G Push and Pull, uh, the Gray Cat Multi-Tool Salvage Attachment, and now moving to 317, which is new, um, but from other things, Ladders Tier 1, the Player Interaction Experience, and Cutting Tier 2. They also temporarily moved the following items. Uh, weapon Magazine Stripping, Lockers and Inventory, Fire Extinguishers, Weapon Misfire and Wear, and Vehicle Module Swapping. Um, with the Migrating Legacy Vehicle XMLs to Data Core, uh, after planning meetings, they evaluated the task, and it's going to be more gradual than anticipated, so there's not a set release date. So it's been removed from release view. The Shield System Tech replacement, which was originally a two-part release, was already completed. So at least that's cool. Um, and then small home outpost colonialism, as mentioned in the progress tracker section, it's changed in scope and is being tempor temporarily remo removed from release view until they properly schedule it. So that's a lot. Um, yeah, it is. How you feel about that, Tavo? I actually don't feel too bad about it. Um, I was saying a couple of weeks ago that lately the information that sig's been sending out to us has been some of the best content in the last year year and a half including mm -hmm. this most recent stuff from tony and i love the fact that they're explaining everything in more detail for us what the vision is without giving us specific dates with all the you know redacted here and we can't tell you that there but they've been really good at giving us the newest information lately and if they've got to set everything back to concentrate more on getting 
the quality of the game where it needs to be. I'm all for it. I, I'm not. I'm not complaining at all. I, I think this last month, three thirteen has has been the best in a long time. Um, I'm very happy with it. I don't feel disappointed at all. Okay. I, I mean, I'm glad to hear that. I, I, I'm definitely slightly bummed, but I get where you're coming from, and I'm not. I'm not a poet. I agree. Like there are things to look forward to. Um, wh- what about you, Seagard? I'm the same way as Tavo. I mean, they've, uh, the technology, I mean, I'm a believer in, you know, getting the technology done, especially, you know, over the last couple of years, they've made me more and more of a believer. Um, you know, and on top of that, in the last couple of weeks, you know, how many vehicles and ships have we gotten? You know, it's just, you know, this whole patch is, you know, this whole, 312 to 313 to, you know, 313.1 have just been amazing. So, you know, looking back where we were a year ago, I mean, planets weren't, you know, they were being considered to be redone, but they weren't done. And, you know, space stations hadn't been redone and, and, uh, and they pushed out the new ones, but they were all the same. Now they're different. You know, there's, they, they've made huge strides. So when they push something back, they usually fill in something later on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Sometimes things just creep up that we weren't even thinking about or we didn't see. I think they, I think they may be being more conservative now than they were previously. Um, So they're kind of, they're trying to manage my mind. They're managing expectations of, well for me and sounds like for Tavo also. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. And if you think about it this time last year, we had just gotten the interiors to new Babbage. Yeah. That was, that was where we were. And remember it was super, super, the patch was crazy late. Yep. It was, it was April 29th is when the patch released. Um, And that was the first that was the dot zero patch of um, the time. So, you know, it wasn't like a dot one. I, I feel like they've gone to the dot X patches more now in order to release features that we're super excited about, like ships that aren't necessarily like why wait for the ship to release the patch when you could just do it in an X patch. That's like almost done polishing, but like why waste the time? Right. Um, I'll say, it's a little, obviously it's a little disappointing because some of the, the cool features are gone, but here in case people can't um, keep track, cause it's a lot to keep track of. Here's what we're now getting in 314. We're getting crusader as well as the Orison landing zone. Um, we're getting, uh, they add, we have thruster capacitors, weapon capacitors, shield capacitors, a change to radar scanning and ping, which I'm super excited about. And if that slipped, then I would be extremely bummed. The missile rework and missile operator mode, uh, law system V2 surrender. Um, that's one of those features that feels like it's really just um, a feature for like another patch, really. But still, it's fine. Um we're getting the Connie Taurus and probably some other ship that we haven't heard about yet and uh, volumetric clouds. 
I would be happy with just Orison. Yeah. Personally. And I have to believe that if Orison comes in, we're going to get a replacement for Olisar. You know, I've been assuming that too. I could be wrong, <laughs> but I kind of feel like as the main shipping hub around Crusader, it would make sense. I wouldn't be shocked. Mm-hmm. You know what else we don't hear? And it just dawned on me. What we don't hear anything about, it's not on the roadmap, but I never saw it pushed off, was racing at Grimhex. Oh, it was pushed off. Yeah, It was. Okay. I was yeah. going to say, because that's uh, couple, still lurking out there. I think the last there. time. Yeah, but I guess if it's pushed off, it's uh, it may be not deemed as essential. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be. It'll probably be re-added at some point because they did work on it. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, I would. I, know, would it, I, I think Crus- you're right. I think the Crusader um, Crusader is going to be a bigger hub now. You're going to see more activities around the moons. I would suspect that we're going to see mining become more profitable on the moons around Crusader. Um, it's going to be worth going in. Maybe we'll see the asteroid belt updated and they're just not telling us because not all the asteroids have been updated across the entire solar system. I don't believe. Oh yeah. And they also haven't made the asteroids, the newer asteroid assets mineable. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I, I guess that's right. Yeah. They haven't been mining the new ones. So I, you know, those are all things that are still potentially out there that I think we would see because they're continuations of work that's, already started to be deployed i mean what's interesting and what what i'm curious about and this is actually the first time i've even thought of it is no matter what an asteroid's made out of it should be made out of something the question is whether it's valuable or not correct so in the future i would hope every asteroid's scannable I think the whole idea is the way that radar and ping and everything work now is you scan for asteroids of quote unquote value. And if they are of asteroid of value versus say a hundred percent inert materials, then that's what shows up in your scanners. But I think down, down the line, you're going to be able to scan for specific types of, you know, mineables. Oh, I'm finally out of the, um, Literally just got out of the armistice zone. Um, so yeah, I think so it's going to be cool. I think it's still going to be a great, great patch. And I think we're going to see things creep in. That's the bottom line. So, a hundred percent. So, I just have to go back to my little notes here. <laughs> um. <laughs> That brings us to everyone's favorite segment that sometimes we prepare for and sometimes we don't. It's time for science. I love talking over the music. <laughs> I think everybody likes when we talk over the music. It's pretty good music. La. <laughs> it's right. Um. So, in case you don't know what this segment's about, it's about when we've done something in the name of science. And it could be testing the game or testing phenomena within the game. So, um, you know, whether it's 
dropping a ballista from orbit or something else. Um, Tavo, have you done anything in the name of science this week? Absolutely. I've been keeping on the same trend that I've been doing with the Nomad and the Rock on seeing the different game states on how well um, you can actually mine with the Rock and keep it in the ship and log off and and work that way. Um, I'm not having very good success with when you're out mining with the Rock and you have it loaded up halfway and then you take it back to a station um, logging off logging back on at the station your the rock still sitting in the back of, of your ship you can't access that inventory i want to let everybody know do not um <laughs> take your rock off from the ship that you're at and put it on the same pad I, I was listening to everybody saying well you can spawn two two vehicles at once and not have a problem as soon as you take the rock off the back of the nomad um the nomad despawns you wind up showing up in hab inside and all of your cargo goes poof it just disappears so um that's been tested and it don't do it <laughs> i've done it three times just to make sure and all three times i got the same result and i'm not reading anywhere that this is a bug so it seems to be happening as intended okay cool um that's helpful insight don't take your rock onto the same pad. Um, what about you, Seagard? Not, not too much. I think it's a continuation. Uh, you know, I talked about the mining earlier. Uh, the modules do make a big difference. I think they're great. Um, they've made a huge difference on the mole. Because you're going to have nine of them working, right? Three different lasers, with, um, three different lasers with three different modules each. Mm. Um, and then... You know, the Aaron's Halo, uh, I've had no problem mining there. Scanning down is a little difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes you get real close and you think, oh, there it is. And it's, it's you know, it's 10 kilometers away. Um, so scanning is still a little bit of a you know, twitchy thing. But uh, that was my that was my only activity. Cool. Um, I haven't really done anything for science. I will say right now, the closest thing I have for science is testing out this Nova tank, and it's not uh, not working for me. I think I screwed it up in my my tumbling around. It uh, just keeps saying aligning, so that was fun. I did that the whole time for nothing. So I'm just going to self-destruct. Um, but anyway, um, that also now brings us to the question that Seaguard had last week, uh -huh. which was all about staffing larger ships. Um, and so, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I didn't write down the actual question, but it was all about staffing larger ships. And uh, any any other color on that, Seaguard? As I, I think it was uh, this was the one. Um, lots of small ships versus big ship. Is that the one? No, that was the week before. Oh, man, what did I? I thought you had it. Hey. It was about staffing. 
staffing uh was it fleets? like how you staff a large ship oh i can't even remember now i'm sorry well may- perhaps perhaps I- cthulhu's disciple slash bloody yeah. badger's responsible jog something for both of us um so he said to answer seaguard's question about staffing large ships I think that being the captain of any large ship is going to be a lonely endeavor. Most players are into Star Citizen because we want to pilot our own ships, and there is not enough enough content slash game loops within a ship to hold interest for significant lengths of time. Gotcha. Who is really going to play for a couple of hours as security guard number three protecting the hangar? The other significant factor is time. Getting enough org members on one server at the same on the same server. At the same time, um, the only solution I see would be to have an NPC crew generated with the ship as it spawns. This could be done in the ship maintenance UI in the Moby Glass. Along with selecting components, you would select the number of crew for their specific role on the ship. For example, crew number one, number one is assigned as turret gunner. Um, four, bed two. Crew number two is assigned to hangar guard, um, as well as bed number three. Crew number three is assigned as fire control, bed number four, and so on. Bed number one is for the captain. This would incur a cost associated with each crew every time you spawn the ship, maybe a 1,000 UEC for any level one crew. Cost would increase for more experience. That's only the number of beds allocated on the ship limits. Oh, only the number of beds on a ship limits the number of NPCs. If a captain wanted to include players, they could either spawn in and replace an NPC or board the ship. Large ships could even persist if the owner could assign co-captain roles to other org members who would assume command when the owner logs off. As long as someone is in command, the ship would persist. Interesting. So I, know those were, I remember those kind of the text, awesome. the content of it now, you know, using the ship for extended period of time with the crew and, uh, you know, on these voyages and things, expeditions, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, yeah. With live players versus, you know, AI. Yeah. So. I mean, good answer. I think Tavo. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely a solid answer. I, I don't know if I agree. Um, although Tavo, I'd love to hear your thoughts first. I think with the release, every time they come out with new ships, they really take a look at what we can do to go on that and taking a look at the C2 and having personal inventory and being able to have personal inventory set up for uh, ship relays, other components. Like I imagine if you're going out in a Carrick or, or in a long run, you're going to want to have extra shield generators, extra power plants with you in case something goes sugar donut and you, know, you need to replace it. You need to have that inventory somewhere in the ship to do that. And that would go with exactly like with what you were saying. You know, if uh, the third bunk is set up for the engineer, you know, he's going to need a spot on the ship where he can store components for the ship to be able to use that, change yeah. that stuff out. You know, you're going to need to have, uh, just like Steven Seagal did, he's, you know, he was the ship's cook, right? You got to have all the cooking materials for the person that's going to 
right. taking care of and, and watching what's in the galley, you know, how many, uh, uh, you know, smoothies are you going to have in there? How many candy bars? How many MREs? You know, somebody's right. got to do that until they give us a button just like for reload, refuel and repair that says, you know, restock the galley. So, yeah, I, I can definitely so, see it getting that granularly. So when you so going guys, I'm remembering the question a little bit more clearly. The uh, part of this was what's the incentive to get someone to play on mm-hmm. a long voyage? You know, do you pay them up front with a set amount and then, you know, not pay them anything from the findings? You know, but if you don't find anything, at least they walk away with a good chunk of money, um, you know. Or do they bring their own gear and you don't pay them anything and they're, they do the work, but they're only in for the winnings. So you split all the, you know, the, the, the valuables like a, you know, pirate crew would, you know, everybody gets a portion. Um, You know, all of the, you know, these longer voyages are going to be tough and even the cargo runs, right? I mean, is the captain just going to pay for gunners? And Bloody Badger is right. AI is a great way to go. Um, but it's going to be pretty boring just doing that on your own. You know, I, yeah. I, I would rather be on the care, you know, knowing that we're going to play for three or four hours on a Sunday with the same people and we're all going to rack out that night. And, uh, you know, we're all doing it for the same reason and we're going to split it evenly or that I'm going to just be part of the expedition for the experience. I'm going to get paid 100,000 credits no matter what. <clears throat> right. I think. Uh, yeah. I think that to me is for events in particular, I think it's a better way to play. Um, yeah. I, I'm in the same, I'm on the same page as you in, in a lot of ways. And I also think it really depends because what we didn't distinguish between is if you're part of an org or if you're a captain looking for a crew mm-hmm. and if you're a captain looking for a crew, then I think the likelihood is there's going to be a way for you to set up a contract and people are going to have to agree to it. So part of that contract might be um, here is a wage I'm paying you. And then here's what I'm going to, here's a portion of whatever earnings you'll get, or maybe it's all earnings. Um, And there'll probably be an early termination um, fee or, must complete the mission in order to be paid out, right? right? There might be actual clauses within these contracts that we can establish. Right. Because we, we don't even have jobs at the job well yet. You know what I mean? Right. And so you might be able to hire a crew there. And and what might happen is, is if you don't get enough player crew, you might get – it might not even distinguish between who's trying to be your crew. You may get NPCs that are on board for it, but then you'll learn really quickly if you're paying too low or your terms aren't agreeable because you'll have nothing but NPC crew and then you find out they're low skill. Yeah. Um, the other portion of that, and, and that might be different than an org expedition where it's pre-planned and everything. The yeah. other combination of that or the other component to this question and answer is do I think people are going to be incentivized to be crew? There are some, there are plenty of people in the game who say my goal in this game is to be crew of a big ship. And that's what I want. 
Uh, and there are plenty of people who want to be their own captains. There are plenty of people who want to be their own pilots. It varies dramatically. I personally, my ideal state is to either captain my Carrick or be a crew member of someone else's ship. That's my ideal state. Um, I don't want to pilot that much. Now, I am a pretty good Carrick pilot because that's yeah. mostly what I fly. Um, and so, you know, I have nice smooth landings. I've gotten really good at getting into tight hangers. Um, but still, I don't want to be the person flying the ship. I want to be commanding the ship. But right. when I'm not commanding a ship, I want to be a crew member of a ship. And I'm happy to be an engineer. I'm happy to be a turret gunner. And um, there's a third piece that I didn't really cover or that I just realized, which is there's not enough beds on a ship to have just a turret gunner unless it's a small ship on the bigger ships. You're likely playing dual parts unless it's a combat oriented ship. So a Carrick or an Endeavor or a Reclaimer, you're not just sitting in the turret because you're not even going to be able to stay in just a turret because the ship needs other other things in order to regularly operate um and i think the gameplay will be there um and and if not that's what the social areas of the ship are designed for the moments while you're traveling i could see um a pilot flying the ship while everyone else is planning for the mission right in other words um you know in the, you know, if you look at the javelin in the in the uh, briefing room, for example. Um, so that's that's just my thirty thousand cents. You know, and, uh, you know, going back and again and, and remembering more and more, a lot of this was how should an org generate? What should an org generate money for? Should it generate mm-hmm. just money for the sake of having money, and then buy things for the org members, or? Should the org have a plan to just generate money for an expedition? And then do you base it on paying a crew or not paying a crew of the ships and funding the expedition or not funding them or not, you know, or having the crews fund their own ships. Right. So I say, I'm going to, I'm going to, you're, you say you're going to take your Carrick out and you're going to fund your crew. Well, what about the other five ships that asked to join you? Are you responsible to yeah. fund them? If you want five ships, that might be an option for you. I will fund all of your ships and all of your crews, but I keep everything we find. Right? Um, you take all the risk and everything else, uh, but you get all yeah. the reward. Um, well, in that instance, you're talking about I actually pre-plan a salary. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, a, a person could come along and say, hey, I'm not really... I don't care about a salary, which reduces your initial upfront cost uh, cost as the expedition lead. But they go, eh, but I do want a cut of the of the earnings, right? Yeah, uh, I'm a I'm a basic crewman. I am the ammo guard door, you know, the ammo <laughs> ammo door guard, and uh, I'd like a half a percent of everything you make. Right? That might turn out to be a hundred thousand dollars, you you know, pretty easily. So. Yeah. 
Some people would volunteer to do it for nothing and bring their own gear. Others would say, I, I only want to be on there if you're going to pay me. Uh, yeah. So, and it all drives, all this drives, um, this was driving my thought on how, how we should figure out how we want to make money or how we want to drive making money in the org. Is it just make it on your own and we'll spend it, you know, spend it as you see fit, uh, buying upgrades for your own ships, et cetera, or taking a tax off of the, the group on a regular basis for general purposes or taking a tax and having fundraising only for special events. Right? Yeah. I think it's going to vary. Yeah. I, I, I don't like the idea of a tax. I think that people should be able to, but I do like the idea of fundraising for an event. Yeah. I, I also think if it's org sponsored, right? So if it's an org sponsored event, so like the org's funding it, then that's different. You know, the org then takes a cut. Right. Um, but then that it, it it's going to be interesting to see how they handle some of this stuff because it's like, is it going to be that nuanced that we're going to be able to specify things like that? I don't know. I don't know. It's, I would think as an org, we would want to do it. Like, I can't imagine us doing an expedition that's only one one day, right? I mean, I, you know, a Saturday. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it for five hours. I, I think that would be boring as sin. Um, but I think if you said we're going to do two hours per day and we're going to do it every weekend for a month, you know, Saturday and Saturday, Sunday and Saturday and Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, et cetera. You could fly you as the captain or the pilot could fly the ship to a location while the others are off and they got to chill while they're actually doing the discovery. So you could cover huge distances, um, just flying, mm-hmm. right? Just, you know, otherwise you'd be stuck. Hey, we're going to, you know, to uh, sell again. They're selling. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Anyway, there, what's, your, before, what's that? The third option is if all of us take our characters and fly out to the first planet that we want to go to for exploration, let's just call it planet A, and then we wind up parking two of the ships there at an intern base, and then two of us wind up jumping on the third ship and help crew that ship to the next planet that we want to go to, planet B. When we get to planet B, jump into the Pisces, go back to the other two ships and bring one of them back to now planet B. So now two of the characters would be at planet B and then take one of them and take it to planet C and then shuttle back all the way back to the original planet A and extend ourselves out that way. So in each turn, one person gets to be the captain and the other people crew the ship and bring the resources out. Because as we explore, we're not going to be just on one planet. We're going to have two or three at waypoints. We're going to want to have Starfarers parked to get fuel and other yep. ships to repair as we set up our our ship bases before we can wind up building you know, player habitats. Right. It gives us a chance to really multi-crew each one of our ships and get good at doing all the positions. And it allows us to extend out pretty well. That way, if any one asset's lost, not all of them are lost. Good mm. point. Well, I, I, I picture 
I picture our fleet moving to hubs and then fanning out from hubs and then congregating near a hub of interest and then fanning out from that new hub and then moving to a new hub of interest and then fanning out from that hub. That's sort of what I would imagine would happen, but with this to say. latest episode we just have where they showed they were drawing the canyons, I was getting flashbacks of of the badlands of South Carolina, and I was thinking, South you know, Dakota, yeah, South Dakota, um, yeah, I'm sorry, South Dakota, yeah, and um, you could take a ship, and since we'd all be in a group, we would all have quantum markers for each other, so we would know where we parked that ship. But nobody else would know where we parked that ship. And since the asset's supposed to stay in the game, we could park it there. And unless somebody was really going through each canyon, and I'm not saying that somebody wouldn't, but it, it really gives us a chance to hit those intermediate spots really well. I, I started thinking about that, you know, just like they did in the olden days with the Cowboys doing that kind of stuff. We could really get into where we have some good areas, maybe find a cave where we can park stuff at. There's a lot of a lot of imagination flying when I was watching all of that being done. So I was really excited about it. Yeah. A lot of this, a lot of this question was really about, and again, my brain dumped everything. It took me a while to remember. A lot of this was how, how does an, how do people seeing an organization raising money? Is it a mandatory tax um, or, does it basically do your own thing and we'll all just figure something out to do is, and do it within our budget that we have available that we want to pull together? Or do we want to say an individual or a group is going to fund an expedition and we raise our, you know, we do a fundraiser. So there, you know, 99% of the time you play the game, you're just playing on your own budget and you're making your money and selling it and trying to get rich, whatever you're doing. One day, we a geeky goes, "Hey, I want to take out a full group of five ships, and I want to go out as far as I can. I need a fueler, I need a cargo ship, I need a, a pathfinder, and I need a carrick. I've got the carrick. I have five million dollars. I will fund all of those ships, but I need captains and I need crew. Does he pay for all the equipment, and then people come along just because they want to come along?" Or does he have does the does he have a fundraiser and we all kind of contribute as an org to raising the funds for the expedition and uh, you know staff it with crew budget you know it's 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 a complex thing it's it's it, it was really okay. kind of a brain tangler and purpose I wanted to see what people thought so who, did anyone it else answer complex. to that yeah no. Okay. Oh, I got an answer for you on that cigar. They covered that once before in the past. It was a stretch goal. It was um, looking at it now on the website. It was the $53 million stretch goal, um, which was the Independent Arbitrators Guild. And there was talk, and I don't remember if it was on Around the Verse or Reverse the Verse or one of the chats, but there was talk about how it was going to work. Now, on the website, if you take a look at it for the um, Robert Space Industries slash funding dash goals, for those that are following along, want to take a look at it. It was talking about how were you wronged by your superiors or the organization and trusting with the funds. And there was stretch goals on 
what they were going to do for the guilds, for the corporations, and how they were going to handle this in the future. And they got just away from that. Every time they rebuild Spectrum, they're trying to build more guild tools, but they haven't been talking about what they were going to do in-game. There was background talk on being able to do that, though. There was going to be a system in place for it. They just never flushed it out. I don't know if they did. Maybe it was the chairman's letter. I'm looking at that, too. You know, but uh, gotcha. it was all there at the 53 million stretch goal right about that time frame in 2014. I'll go take a look at that because I'm I'm really thinking about our organization. How, you know, does Techno just come out and say, hey, 50 percent of everything you make, you need to give to the org every week? That's not going to be a real popular thing, right? Um, on the other hand, I think an approach that said, you know, one of the division leads gets a bunch of money together and says, hey, I'm going to pay for, you know, X number of people to go on a, on a mission and I've got three ships. Here's the slots and I'll pay you. And we'll split the, we'll split the money afterwards. That's another, you know, that's going to allow us to do some stuff. And then the third way is to do the fundraiser. Uh, Techno says, I want the fleet to do an expedition. You know, I want it to travel out, you know, a day and find a planet and then survey that planet and come back with anything they find that's immediately available and valuable. And then, it, you know, we'll split them. Oh, 10% will go to the people on the cruise and then the rest will go in the kitty for the orc. Um, you know, we raise money for a month. Uh, or a week and then we ship them off let them do their thing so but that's that's all good um was there any other email that came in no i mean the the, the next thing are, is our q a uh but i did just kind of want to react to that also in the sense that it's hard to say because i feel well one we don't know how it's going to be facilitated right so yeah. It really depends on how robust org tools are, but I see, I do see sort of a blend of the two yeah. because I don't see how, I don't see the purpose of an org as just a place to, to know other people. I see it as something that provides resources. Um, see, I, I see how, the org as something that provides, um, adventures and ideas and community <clears throat> right Goals. yes like, that's the reason to join it that's in my know, mind by yourself you would never do an you know uh you'd never take a carrot out by yourself on the you know why take a carrot when you can take the, you know a smaller exploration ship and do just as much um distance. by yourself <laughs> yeah sorry yeah it's only distance <laughs> right so um but that's pretty much it yeah but there is something to be saying for, hey, you know, we're the crew that's gone out farther than anyone else out there, and we did this, and we took films of it or pictures of it, and we sent it to SIG, and we got our name on the board, and we're now part of the lore. That's pretty cool. That's an incentive. It's a vision, right? So it's, I, it's a leader's vision to go, you, you know, this is, this is what we want to do as an org. We want to get our names, read recognized as an exploration group. And we want the, the measure of that is that we're mentioned by SIG specifically and we get our names put in an event and Seaguard is the grand driver of the Carrick, you know, shalakalak and with way too geeky's guidance, we made it happen and found alien life, right? You know, 
So. Yeah, I mean that's that's like the ideal state. Yeah. But I still think I still think <clears throat> then why wouldn't someone want to do that on their own with their own crew? So in a, in a, in essence, right. what's the difference between a cluster of four or five people and a group of a hundred people? And what does that benefit? So in some Only respects, it's got to be some. Yeah, but it's got to be Only resources in some way. Yeah, it's so, what you can afford, right? It's what you can afford. Yeah. And so how does the org actually earn those things is the other question. Because yeah. if it's not, it's got to be at least either a cut of the profits or there has to be a membership fee or there has to be a minimum contribution to the org through earnings or something in order to to truly, you know, enable that, I feel like. Yeah. Well, you know, in real life, the, you know, if you look at the old British, and you know, in the you know the old explora exploration, the science, you know, adventurers guilds in real, you know, you know, old England. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. was it uh, turn of the century? You know, the guys going to find the North Pole and South Pole. I can't think of the adventurers, right? The adventurers and explorers. Mm -hmm. They literally paid sailors phenomenal wages to go on those ships. Yeah. Because otherwise they would make decent money or poor money <laughs> on a regular ship. So they had to entice them away from their normal jobs to go take the risk. So they paid them great salaries. So yeah. you don't you don't want to have you don't want to pay them all the time. You only want to pay them when they're taking the risk. So Yeah, exactly. So you don't need you could build up a massive amount of fund as an org just by taxing everybody, but you're not always going to use it. But if you do it for the event, yeah. if you, you say, here's our one month goal for one month, nobody minds contributing some time every week to give, you know, a thousand credits a week or whatever a day, you know, but anyway, good discussion. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I landed this, uh, Crusader ship very poorly. I'm sorry for dragging yeah. all through that that question. That was oh, probably no. not a good I question. I think it's an interesting topic, and I wouldn't if it was. I, I wouldn't have continued to contribute if I wasn't intrigued by it. And you know, let's face it: at the end of the day, we're theory crafting yeah. quite a bit because we don't know how they're going to handle some of this stuff. And you know, CIG could very well just say, "Nope." Orgs have membership fees, and that's that's it. And um, org leaders can impose percentages of, you know, I, I find yeah. it hard that they can. Maybe they would have percentages on any mission that you have, like a small tax, like like we've been saying. Yeah, but I, I don't, don't think, know. What I don't think they're going to get that level of detail. I think it's you know, it's a choice, right? An org can do their funding the way they want to do it. If it's successful, yeah. then people will stay. If it's not successful, they'll leave. Uh, but for planning purposes, I need to know <laughs> how we're going to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I am that 18th century brain. It's over overthinking things that don't need to well, be Well, perhaps we're just putting the cart before the horse, you know? I'm definitely, I'm trying to. I'm actually trying to do some of those things now with what we have, knowing that more will come down the road. You know, I don't want to wait to yeah. explore. I want to do exploration Ooh. now. I want to you know, do mass mining now. I want to do those things. I feel like something just exploded. 
My brain. Maybe not. Um, maybe. Um, let's see. Now, finally on to, you know, we've been chatty. Uh, Portavo here is like ready to sound like Chekhov. Was good, um, good contribution by him, too. It's a good <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, but uh, we have a, a few questions here. The first one's from Delta X85. Um, and he asks, how do you feel about port partnering with another org on setting up PVP battles scenarios? Um, and it says, and so I missed part of it. Let me just quickly pop open discord to see what that. And is these are all discord questions, by the way. Right. Um, that and was come on discord. It's almost open. I close it. So I don't get the notifications that beep, 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 beep. Cause it distracts me. I had to actually turn the game volume off because I uh, the game volume completely off because I couldn't even focus with the game volume on. Uh, let's see. He said, "Oh, so it's how do you feel about partnering with another org on setting up PvP battles, scenarios, and missions for training?" I feel like we've addressed this before. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the answer is that as a as a group of players, many of us are very interested. However, as an org, um, it gets uh, we are very bashful, I guess, or gun shy of working with other orgs um, off the cuff because there's been experience in the past in other games and, and other orgs of, you know, people be, you know, getting just harassed and, and, uh, you know, doxxed, et cetera. Um, when, when it, when it's gone sour. Um, so I think the leadership, I think we all kind of agree that we're cautious about it. Um, techno is the lead and he's the founder. So we kind of, you know, follow his pointer and that's kind of our mode right now. So I think we would be less inclined. Um, but the only guy I could truly tell you that would be techno. Yeah, I would, I would uh, agree. I think based on our experiences so far, we are more likely to partner with like-minded orgs versus say pirate orgs and orgs yeah. that, um, you know, regularly, engage in PVP as we do. We do not choose to engage in PVP. Um, we will when we have to. Um, but, you know, it is something we'll probably reevaluate at some point. But right now we're very protective of our, our org, our org mates and our standard operating procedure. As much as we are like on a podcast talking about it, it's not really, uh, scratching the surface. So, yeah. Uh, um, let me add one more thing there. Uh, just, sure. just in case, um, we've had at least one org that met with techno, um, had a discussion and ended up kind of disbanding. I don't know that it was fully off the ground, but had a quite a few people and many of them chose to join Reed and they fit right in. I mean, we, we had a little grace period there. We all had to figure each other out, but, 
that's an option too. Um, I don't know that we yeah. join another board, but I think you know we have done that as a precedent. We've we've, we've incorporated another org into our body as read. Yeah, and for context, that org, oof, that's what happened. My ship is very damaged. Um, for context, that org, um, very similar ethos, but struggled to um, have a, enough engaged members. So they were impressed by how engaged, because we do have a pretty, um, you know, one of the things that draws people to us outside of things like the podcast and Earth's videos and just natural curiosity is when people search for most active orgs, we're one of the top um, for exploration orgs. And I think it's because we, we have a lot of active members. Yeah. Um, and even when they're not necessarily playing the game, they're still on Spectrum. And and I think that's what what's denoting that. So um, if you find yourself in a in struggling to uh, build your org, but you, you want to be part of something bigger, you can always come our way. Um, another question, sorry, I'm just trying to claim my Nova tank. Well, before I flip screens, um, is, uh, Boris has a few questions in, in honor of Canuck. He has four, um, the first question is any purchase at Invictus? Um, great question. Did you buy anything, Tavo? No, sir. I did not buy anything. Doesn't mean that I won't yet, but so far I have not. What about you, Seagard? I did a lot of melting. So I've always had too many fighters. And mm -hmm. uh, I decided to melt all of my packs, but I did rebuy the Tycoon pack to get it back to its original form. And I bought the RSI pack. Um, nice. I am a, uh, so I got rid of all my freelancers and things like that. And uh, now I have all the Tauruses or all the caterpillars and things. And then uh, oh, wow. the one upgrade. You're going full on logistics, huh? Yeah, I really did want to, but I did keep all my big capital, like my, my, my capital, my bigger ships. Like I had, um, I upgraded, um, you know, this is rough when this happens in your life. And you have two Orions, one in each pack. You gotta, you gotta get rid of one of them, right? So I melted one, or didn't melt it. I upgraded it to a hammerhead. Um, cause I, I, Wait, a hammerhead is more than an Orion? Uh, yeah, yes, yeah. Oh, quite a wow. bit more. It's about two hundred fifty dollars more. It's quite a bit. Oh wow! I feel like an Orion is more of a money maker than a Hammerhead. It is. It is. Um, I just always thought the Hammerhead was a cool ship. So I had the Perseus. Oh, it's a great ship. Uh, and I got. I mean, the who needs two Orions? Yeah, and, and I'm dying to see that ship. That's the one I'm really waiting for in the game. Um, so that. Uh, so yeah, I got those. Uh, I kept, you know, like all my hulls, except for I did lose the hull D, but I'm going to upgrade to the hull D. So, uh, and I... But you have a hull E? <clears throat> I have the, all, the hull E, A, B, and C. I used to have all five. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know what's amazing is after all this effort, I got my tank stuck on something again. <laughs> uh 
<laughs> I can't move it now. It's just it's stuck on this. Stuck. It's, um, the, oh, it's stuck yeah. on a light. I, There's no I, real maneuvering space, you know, in these landing areas. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I'm really, I'm, I'm really looking for the, uh, the, I think I'm going to look for the Kraken or the Pioneer. Which, um, uh, which Kraken, the Privateer or the... I, uh, I'd rather have the one that's kind of the commercial version of it, you know. Yeah, uh, that's the privateer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it makes more engine, sense for what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, and, you know, I've, because I melted everything, I had that much, you know, easily laying around. I thought about a javelin, but decided, you know, number one, it wasn't available even when I got to there. So it was already sold. So anyway, I'll stop. What, uh, what were you saying, Tavo? Sorry. I was going to say, can you, like, point the cannon sideways and fire? You said you were out of Armistice, or are you back in the Armistice zone? No, I'm in Armistice, and it's stuck on a light right on the tread, so it's not like the cannon can reach it. I'm, like, trying – maybe I can bump it with another ship. Or maybe it's close enough to claim, because it's literally right off the pad, um, you know, or store, rather. Um, I didn't buy anything, and I have no plans to buy anything. I didn't buy any of the paint. Um, cause I wasn't that wild by it. And, and the ships that have the paint, I don't have and, or don't care about getting paint for. So, um, yeah, I didn't really do anything there. Uh, next question from, uh, Boris Kraken was, uh, have you tried the commodity alerts mentioned in the Tony Z video? Uh, Tavo. You already mentioned it. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And they've been working spot on. Uh, as soon as the alert comes up, uh, I've been watching the commodity terminals like a hawk, and new one comes up, they instantly change, buy all the stuff, and then be the first one to get to to point B. That's great. Yeah, I I've been using them too, and and they've been they've been phenomenal. I'll be um, doing it tomorrow. Yeah, it's great uh, for you as the logistician there. It's uh, definitely useful. And obviously, I'm hoping that it's going to be more than just a journal entry down the road. But it's good. It's a good pilot of sort of um, a little bit less predictable commodities, but at the same time, variation and a way for us to know what's going on. Um, which we don't really normally get. I think, um, uh, say what Seagard was saying earlier, um, if we were to get like a 10-minute head start before the quantum get the same <laughs> message, you know, in an area, like if they're, they're all around Port Olisar, since Tony Z was using that as the, as the example, if, uh, you know, the alert went out to all the actual players that we get a 10-minute head start on the NPCs, because if the players aren't taking care of it, then they have to come behind and, and fill in all the spaces. So I think a 10-minute, you know, I'm just throwing a number out there. It could be 20-minute. could be 5-minute. Uh, but a little head start on them since they act so much quicker than we do would help. Yeah. Perhaps. Um, next uh, question from Mr. Boris the Kraken is, or Boris Kraken, Kraken, 
I, I said Kraken, so I'm like now I'm getting really confused. Uh, is what feature from the latest roadmap update are you saddest about it slipping? Tavo, what's the saddest for you? Scanning. It didn't slip. I thought it was getting pushed further. I, I misunderstood. No, it's uh, 314. Yeah, that's okay. one of the few features that stayed. All right. Well, then I'm not sad about it. The rest of them could all get pushed. That was the one I was. I thought I miss. I misheard that. That's awesome. You just made my day. Oh yeah! Thank goodness, right? I mean, that it is one of the most exciting things because it will enable some of the gameplay aspects that we can use. That that's already. It's sort of like I could just picture our emergent gameplay being better. Like. We can better scan for mineables with bigger ships and have more fun in groups. Um, what about you, Seaguard? What's the saddest thing? I, I you know, itemized um, itemization. I guess it is. Oh, the personal inventory. That yeah, one? personal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a little sad about that too. I think that's one of them, but I have a feeling that because it's not, it wasn't going to be fully fleshed out anyway. I think there's a that's the reason they um, pushed it back. Gotcha. You know, at least part of the reason. Um, I'm sad about healing and tier one medical or tier zero medical. That's a good one that's too. My saddest. Uh, dude, man, I hadn't thought about that one, but that's another good one. Um, but you know what? Still super happy about Crusader being coming in and how amazing that's going to be. Here's hoping, I mean, my big hope is that we get some actual missions. The one thing that we haven't heard about in a long time is what happened to Eddie Parr? What about the mission givers at Crusader? Are they not going to include them now or are they going to, you know, like they sort of disappeared. Mm -hmm. Um, The Crusader ones at least show up in the missions now their names do Batista and um, I forgot the other person. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm curious to see if they'll have some additional missions. By the way, I did get the tank off the light by ramming it with an Ursa. Um, Uh, you were at Boris. I know, but it's now I'm confused at the last one. Oh, that's interesting. He d- he sort of says that there's a fourth question, but there's not actually a fourth question. Let me just double check that there's not a fourth question. I may have been copy pasting a little sloppy, sloppy, sloppy pasting. <laughs> I think he just put Q4 because there has to be a question for just uh, joking about um, oh, gotcha. Gotcha. regular yeah, four question good, questions. He's a, good, he's a good dude. Yeah, he said... Uh, Question four, as there has to be four. Myself, I'm not that worried about stuff being pushed as long as all that back-end work is done. Your thoughts. Oh, there we go. Your thoughts. I was missing that part. Your thoughts. Your thoughts. Back-end work. Exciting. Yes. 
Sorry. Thank you, Tavo Seekar. <laughs> <laughs> the back end work is always important. Um, and I will go back to what I said earlier on the fact that they're now telling us more on what they're doing on the back end. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been getting so much back end information. Um, I think that'll really calm the masses. I know for me, I, it's it's huge. Uh, the, the more they do back there, um, to, uh, what did he, what did Tony Z say? They've increased this since the last time they did a deep dive by a mag, order magnitude of two. You know, yeah. um, we need to hear about that kind of stuff more often, um, so we can wind up, you know, really helping uh, spread the word that things are getting much better. Uh, if people don't, uh, I haven't said this in a while, but I use the shadow client to play the game. And oh, me each, too. Time, each time the, the new patches come out, it's getting better and better for me to be able to spend more quality time playing the game um, for people that are out there as an alternative. You know, yes, I plan on building a, a state-of-the-art system when we get closer to actual launch of the game. I, I can't see doing it now. Um, I would much rather enjoy and, and poke around like we're supposed to be doing with the testing for Alpha. Um, but as they improve the back ends, I, I see it working wonders for me. Mm. Agreed. Seagard. Yeah, um, I gotta hate to pull a checkout moment, but I said, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. what, what was the question again? Oh, I can't. It's it that. was um, essentially, um, you know, oh, back end, uh, back end. I yeah, think back end is, is absolutely is cool as long as the back end stuff is happening. Yes, absolutely. That is me too. That is me. Too. And I think that's mostly what it is. It's like what we keep running into and and I think this has been been a majority of the content that's been happening. Well, one, we're getting more and more polish and quality of life improvements. Right. And those things are kind of like it's probably not a simple task to add these commodity update messages, but oh. they're a huge improvement to help one give more variety into the the cargo hauling profession because there's not that much right now we don't have missions yet this is the closest thing you have to a mission in the cargo hauling profession right. uh, and two um you know i think a lot of these patches we've been seeing are just multi-quarter patches that just they take longer they're more intense a lot more details been done and a lot of things impact a lot of other things and just have to be i, I know it's fine to to not we don't have to 100 percent be super patient all the time i'm not trying to say that we need to let cig get away with anything but i do think that sometimes when people see things get pushed back they're not they're not taking into account the totality of the game by which we're dealing with and the long-term impacts of whatever is being moved um, and why it might be moved. I'd rather the feature be 
better fleshed out than be a total nightmare. Oh, no. My uh, ship is tilting backwards for some reason. Oh, well, it would help if I didn't park on a mountainside. Um, so, yeah, that's that's all of the questions uh, that they had. Um, so that's that wraps up questions. Uh, Seagard, do you have any question for next week? Well, I was gonna, I think last week we also asked if anyone had a preference for types of questions. Um, yeah, we this, did not get any responses to that. Yeah. So, um, go to or, or Chekhov's question. I feel like people are trolling him at this point. Yeah. Um, this week, well, I try not to go down that the brain spin road anymore. I think I don't think anyone. <laughs> I think, I'm trying to make conversation with it, but it also is helpful for me. But I also don't want to just bore people to death. My Seagard's also trying to remember his own questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last I'm just tired Let's face today. It. Let's I'm tired today. I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's also I, okay not to have one. Yeah, I think I, I think this weekend, I or this week, I really don't have a good one to ask. Um, um I, I'm going to ask a really simple one, um, and mine is, um, still in progress apparently in my brain. Uh, uh, I guess of the new of the features that we know about now in three fourteen, what are people most excited about? What, um, you know, what do they have to look forward to? And I'm happy to also hear, I, I think we'd be happy to hear your sentiments on the roadmap changes as well. Um, cause while we don't, we don't care that much, I'd love to know, you know, how other people feel. Uh, so that wraps up another episode of recast. If you do have questions, comments, thoughts, uh, responses, anything, you know, feedback, as long as it's nice. Um, you can email us at readcastsc at gmail.com. You could DM our Twitter handle at readcastsc. You could submit a message through Anchor or on our Readcast Discord, or you can text or call, text or leave a voicemail at 646 783 8154. We also do have a number of content creators in the org, um, so don't forget to watch Earth's videos. Um, on YouTube, as well as listen to Admiral Cody and Calibri's amazing soundtrack that they've been compiling. Links for everything can be found below. Um, if you are looking for that family-friendly org that uh, likes to explore the verse and ponder the meaning of um, existence, then you could always check out Read. We stand for Research and Engineering through Exploration and Discovery. Um, it's been a great week. Uh, once again, and we look forward to the rest of Fleet Week. But uh, Tavo, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, we really appreciate you pit- pitching him for checkoff, and you didn't snore once. Yeah, he's been sending me some really cool stuff this week, and it, stuff we're kind of mulling around. I think. Oh, great! Yeah, awesome. So, yeah, he's been helping me quite a bit with ideas. So. Blame well, that's him. Great. Don't blame me. Blame him. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, 
Have a great week, everybody. We'll we'll talk to you next week. That's it. Miss you, Chekhov. Happy birthday to your wife. Happy birthday, Mrs. Chekhov. <laughs>